You are listening to the LTN Book Club, a bi-weekly read-along podcast positioned at the intersection of nerd and literary culture. Our show is hosted by Madeline Turnipseed and is a proud member of the LTN Podcast Network. For more information on the show, the hosts, the books they're reading, and to subscribe, please visit lovethynerd.com slash book club. Hello and welcome to the LTN Book Club. Tonight we are discussing uh, the ballad of songbirds and snakes. Uh, this is by Suzanne Collins. Content warnings for the book and for uh, some of which will be discussed in tonight's episode. Some mild language, violence, death and endangerment of children, classism, and systemic oppression. The back of the book blurb. The once mighty house of snow has fallen on hard times, its fate hanging on the slender chance that Coriolanus will be able to out-charm, out-wit, and out-maneuver his fellow students to mentor the winning tribute. The odds are against him. He's been given the humiliating assignment of mentoring the female tribute from District 12, the lowest of the low. We'll go around and do our introductions. Uh, Who are all of you lovely people that are joining me today? I'm Katie Tedjador. I'm John Kibbelberbe. <laughs> so I didn't know if there's an order here that you guys usually do. <laughs> I'm Aaron Warmbeard. <laughs> Yay, welcome. And I'm Madeline Turnipseed. Thank you all for joining us. So Aaron, this one was your nomination. Uh, why did you decide to pick this book for us to read? Um, well, I... I didn't know that they, it was coming out, um, and I found it on Overdrive, and I mean, I felt really excited about it because the original trilogy was such a phenomenon, and I remember powering through all of those books when they first came out, um, and so I'm always into the opportunity to know more about the backstory Um behind something that I've enjoyed reading or behind a world that was created, you know, um, knowing more about that world. So yeah, I felt like probably there are a lot of nerds out there that feel the same way and would enjoy this read. Okay. Thanks so much. Uh, We have some thoughts from our community on this book. Uh, Ethan McDuff on Facebook says, I bought this book as soon as it came out, despite all of my friends telling me not to. And I honestly really enjoyed reading it. I feel like my favorite part about it though, is how they use the narrative to turn this heartless monster from the first three books who kills children into someone that you can at least have a little empathy for. Stained Glass on Discord says, I enjoy a good villain origin. This book hits all the notes. The only criticism I have is that I don't think they bridge to the gap enough between the original trilogy and the prequel in terms of how evil and despicable he really is in the original trilogy. They do a good job at explaining how he gets to be President Snow, but I just never felt that any of it was enough of a reason to be as horrible as he ends up being. Uh, the JM Reedy on discord says, so I guess I haven't read too many books where the protagonist is such a terrible person, but it caught me off guard how much I tried to trick myself into liking snow because it's his story. And I'm an optimist and hopeful person at heart. But so many times I was like, Oh no, you just a straight up tool. <laughs> I really identify <laughs> with that. <laughs> yep. I was like, maybe, maybe this time, maybe yeah. this, no, <laughs> right. No. And I knew where, you know where he's going and you're just right. still like, maybe, maybe. <laughs> That's the yeah. unique thing about reading a, a book like this is that, you know, where it's going. Like there really isn't any hope, but you, you want to be hopeful the whole time. Right. 
Yes. It's yeah. like we know how the same. St- we know how the story ends, but at the same time, we're like, but maybe it doesn't. Maybe it won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So even though if you've read the original Hunger Games trilogy, you know how uh, President Snow is going to end up. The specific details of this book are about to be spoiled in the spoiler zone. All right, so the book opens um, in the capital, um, and this is immediately after the war between the districts and the capital, and the capital has come out victorious. Um, This is a pretty stark contrast to how we see the capital um, in the original Hunger Games trilogy. It does underscore the culture of access that we see in the original trilogy, um, because there is such a stark contrast between the just how much how deprived everyone is versus mm-hmm. so you see like that pendulum swing in the 65 years um between the, ser- the this book and the and the original trilogy um of like the um over excess the abundance and just the opulence that the capital has then compared to its post-war like complete lack of anything oh like poverty mm-hmm. yeah which i guess makes sense i mean if you think about like um, my grandparents living through the great depression and how my lifestyle compared to that you know like we we also in our culture did a big swing towards opulence and overabundance shortly after having lived through a hard season and not nearly as hard as as described in this book too so yeah you're right about that Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was getting a lot of like London post-war two vibes mm-hmm. from this of them hiding out from bombings and um, scrambling to find anything edible, mm-hmm. whatever that looked like. Ooh, right. Content warning for cannibalism. I apologize. It is mentioned. Yeah. So, yeah. I know I read these books like with the thought of would I have my kids read this anytime soon? And like, it's things like that that I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. yeah maybe not i'm not sensitive to it but am i sensitive to sharing that with my kids yeah maybe yeah maybe they haven't read the original trilogy yet though because yeah i mean it's true she doesn't shy away from the hard stuff Mm -mm. Mm -mm. um it's really interesting to see how coriolanus is has being like the scion of the snow family um is not only their kind of their public face, but also like feels like he has all of the pressure to continue to act like they're still doing well, Mm -hmm. that they can afford their penthouse apartment, that he has all of these new clothes whenever he wants them, even though nobody has new clothes. Um, And he, uh, I was struck by a quote. It's one that his grandma says um, about maybe two thirds of the way through the book. She's telling him, remember that you're always a snow. And he says, this is like, this is my, the main problem in my life. Like I can't ever be this thing that I'm expected to be. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not the reality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, sorry, go ahead. Cause being a snow carries all these certain expectations being one of those, uh, like from the old houses kind of thing. And you can't, and so being a snow means that you have to, like, even in the very beginning of the book, you see him trying to live up to all these expo- expectations. 
but he can't he can't do it because he just doesn't have the resources or uh anything like that that his like his father and his grandfather would have had to maintain that image like he's literally starving and has Mm -hmm. to eat at the school for any decent kind of meal but he's pretending that he has all this to spare it's it's interesting to kind of see how invested he is in the in his image and i guess it was especially interesting especially uh just remembering it's been a while it's been a good long while since i've read the original trilogy but uh like my impression of snow in the original trilogy i didn't see him as like just this evil awful villain i always got the sense that he was playing a role and i guess reading this it to me it was a fairly consistent character pattern from what i saw in the original trilogy or how i read it in the original trilogy to what i read in this book um just that idea of He's playing a game and he always wants to win, but he wants to do so in a way that doesn't. He has like a certain set of rules that he has to win by mm-hmm. is kind of the impression yeah. I got. Um, right. Because I mean, there are a lot of different ways he could have, his life could have gone, right? Like he didn't exactly. have the resources to do what his grandfather and father did, but he did have resources. I mean, mm-hmm. he had that penthouse apartment that he was too proud to sell. Like yep. he was too proud to be honest about his position. He had to win with his pride still intact. He had to keep the, the snow name, you know, and they mm-hmm. keep saying snow lands on top. Like th- <laughs> there were so many, there were so many different ways his life could have gone except for that pride and that insistence on maintaining the classism that he was born into and the yeah. class that he he himself was born into. Um, and all throughout the book, like the way that he judges and draws hard lines between classes mm-hmm. because he insists on being in that upper echelon of classes. Like they can't see mm-hmm. himself even falling to the second tier, you know? Well, and even like just the idea of um, like even during their darkest moments when, you know, during the war, when they were struggling, like he just can't wrap his head around the links his cousin might have had to go to mm. to keep him fed. Like, they have that minute after um, Lucy Gray sings her song and, you know, kind of hints about having to maybe do, like, sell herself to survive, and he gets all bent out of shape out of it. And Tigress is, like, gets really mad at him, and he realizes that that's and it's like, how did you not realize? How did you not realize? And it's because he literally admits that he stuck his head in the sand. Like, he doesn't want to think. He doesn't want to accept the fact that they're still human. Mm-hmm. Like, that his family's still human. He wants to almost believe that he's above it all. And honestly, yeah. so I had an interesting thought as far as the cannibalism goes. Because uh, just another one of those. Because he insists that, like, his family didn't eat, like, didn't stoop to cannibalism kind of thing. But then when Tigris has 
is making like this meat pat like burgers or something uh he mentions that she eats the meat raw and for some reason i don't know if if it is a thing but i f- i feel like uh i heard somewhere at some point that can like cannibalism is linked to that like raw meat or there's something something about that i got nothing yeah yeah uh i got nothing sorry no but i mean like who knows like he doesn't know he like you said absolutely puts his head in the sand and so he he doesn't know what length she went to so for all he knows he also was eating exactly mm-hmm. exactly he doesn't yeah. know yeah he didn't ask questions <laughs> yep mm-hmm. well um, even even when he faces becoming a peacekeeper right and being relegated to district 12 and like kind of that fall from grace um he's always thinking about a way to get back until he is worried about being implicated for murder, which would bring too much shame to his family. And so he's going to run away. But the minute that that's gone, he's like, Oh, I'm back. Like snowfalls on top. Let's go. Like he goes back and he joins and he goes back to district two, which ends up being the capital. And he, his life ends up where he wanted it to be. Um, but mm-hmm. only because he's able to keep his pride intact. Um, yeah. Yeah, he had a really like um uh David and Bashi's Bashiva's husband moment where he's like, I'm gonna make sure you are dead and then I'm gonna take your family's wealth and use it to be able to afford all of like the lifestyle that I feel like I deserve mm-hmm. and then use that to fund my political and uh social goals and all that. It was very it felt like the end of this book happened way more quickly than the lead up to this book. And mm-hmm. I get that part of that is because the, the main thrust of the book is mostly <clears throat> talking about the games, but at the same time, it, it is wild to watch him struggle with whether or not his feelings for Lucy Gray are real. And like, if <clears throat> if they could ever have a life together and then move from there so directly into no, I'm going to just take whatever I can get and be done Mm -hmm. and not care at all. (laughs) This is one of my biggest critiques about uh, Collins's books in general is that she, I feel like she always gets to the end and just kind of like, there's no unraveling of the knot. There's no falling action. There's, it's just, Oh, Lucy Gray, Lucy Graydon and uh, Coriolanus have a fight in the woods and then it's over. Or, oh, the sister dies and it's over. Like, it's just, you know, like the whole, there's all this lead up and then, but it's done. And I was just. Absolutely. I I agree with that. Like, I I am, whenever I read any of her books, I'm along for the whole ride. Like, I am along for the storytelling and for, like, the character building. And then at the end, I'm always like. What? <laughs> and I did definitely feel like that. And I, I wonder though, um, because that chapter where he just turns at the end there and, and, mm-hmm. and you're like, no, no, what, what? And you've known it's coming all along, but like mm-hmm. it happens so quickly and it just seems like a, such a sudden shift. And I, I to me, it, it did feel like though the, it was because he had to actually come to terms with who he really is, not his 
idea of himself, you know? So like he tries to build his own idea of himself and he tries to, um, like not actually look at the reality of himself. And then there you are in the woods faced with reality and what's, you're actually doing it now. Can you do it? Can you follow through with it? And he just snaps, but the snap was a little, yeah. I mean, it is, it is what Dr. Gauls would try to teach him this entire time. Right. Right. (laughs) Without this, without those three C's like, or like without control, and contract, you get chaos. And so like, he's, he sees it in himself. And I think that's, I mean, that's what Collins is doing in the hunger games. She's, she's putting a mirror to our depravity and saying, Hey, look, human beings are awful people. Mm-hmm. Like put them in situations like this. And they just completely will pick the, pick the worst possible outcome. Um, even if you're, you know, Katniss Everdeen. Um, so it's yes, but it's just that sick feeling of just being like, Oh, I don't like it. Yeah. Well, also because like, it is a mirror, like you said, like that, that's one thing that I felt icky when I read this whole book, because it felt really honest. Like it felt like if we were all in our own heads, we would reflect a lot of what he feels and thinks his motivations, his judgment of other people in our own heads. We do that not to this psychotic degree at all. It's it's obviously like (laughs) overblown. Um, but it, it's honest. Like there are so mm-hmm. many times that we, uh, classify ourselves. There are so many times that we do a good, but like our motivation behind that is actually like our own self-interest, our own gain, mm-hmm. like where we're motivated by self-protection, um, rather than actually like our love and empathy for other people, you know? And so I, I felt like it was almost on the nose, but it was also just pretty honest, at the same time, you, you're you're actually getting to see that process play out in somebody else's head the whole time. Mm-hmm. But one of the, yeah. I, I think that's probably what I really like about her books, though, is just the fact that she's willing to make us uncomfortable. Like, I, it's it's interesting. Sometimes it's hard, but sometimes it's just like it gives you kind of that reflection of, oh, you know, we really got to be paying attention because if we don't pay attention, it's easy to fall into that. Like, we've really got to question, am I actually doing this because I care about these people or am I doing it because I think they're going to provide me things I want later on in the future? Like, it's always that interesting kind of to have that, it's not just up to ourselves being able to like monitor our own, um, you know, self-reflect, but like mm-hmm. doing that in community and yeah. he doesn't mm-hmm. allow himself to have any of that. Like he's got Sejanus yeah. that wants to be his brother, right? Like he's mm-hmm. got Tigress, he, you know, he's, he's got people, what's her face with the, that got bit by the snakes, whatever. Like uh, he's got a rock no, uh, she's the one who gets. She's the one who gets her throat Yeah, like he's yeah. got these mm-hmm. people that could be his community, that could be his check, that could he could be honest with, and he could take these like these internal things that like can creep up in all of us. But if mm-hmm. we expose them in community, and if we're honest about them with each other, um, 
we don't have to be that way. Like you don't have to make those choices. You don't have to follow the worst impulses in you. You don't have to self-protect more than you um, self-sacrifice. But he didn't let anybody in. Like he didn't yeah. have that community, even though they were there for him. Yeah. Well, well and then um, six, sixty years later, you have Tigress sheltering Katniss and the rebels in her shop in when they invade yeah. the capital versus Coralie in the snow trying to kill everybody. Um, Do you know I, I did not that, make that, that connection until right now. That's I that's did. who they are. <laughs> well, and yep. like, could you? Can you? I remember even, like, so little about book three. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> get that. So Holy she cow. like. You know, and that's the divergence of Mm -hmm. what happens when, because he goes off to study under Dr. Gall and the corrupting influence of being with her and being so involved in the Hunger Games. And Tigress is left with uh, the grandma and Mm -hmm. with their with their friend who runs the the like bar, the speakeasy, which which I'm pretty sure ends up being her her shop. Because they talk about that closet where he hides things, and mm-hmm. then it's the same thing as the closet where they hide uh, mm. Katniss and the rebels. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, but like 60 years later, Tigress is a rebel and Snow is Snow. Yeah. Well, and- because of that, that community, because they're in different parts of society and they see different things and are able to experience different aspects of life in the capital. Well, mm-hmm. and if you think about it, like Tigress was always trying to protect him and giving, him, trying to give him the best life. Like she already knew the darker side. She already had a more realistic view of yeah. what life was like, even before, like even at the very beginning of this book. Like she had a fairly realistic view of what needed to be done to, like, for them to even survive, let alone. And yet she went the extra mile to help him kind of get where he wanted to go, like putting all that effort in to make that that new uh, that shirt basically new and all of that sort of stuff. It, it She already had a completely different mindset, even though she did say, you know, snows come on, on top a few times. It, it hits a little different just based on her actions and how she approached other people and life in general and what she was willing to do just to be there for her cousin and her family. Yeah. Tigress is, is putting in the work, whereas mm-hmm. Coriolanus is like pulling strings and mm-hmm. uh, holding blackmail. Yeah. <laughs> or and, just, and or just wondering. sitting at home fretting. What, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going right. to do? And Tigress shows up. Oh, I'm going to save the day. Yep. Here's your new shirt. Right. He benefits yeah. from the community around him, but he never lets them in. Like mm-hmm. at any point. Even yeah. even post Sejanus's death, like he is able to thrive at the capital because he takes Sejanus's place in his family. Mm-hmm. And he and it's he hard. reaps so bad. the. He reaps the benefits of that, even though, oh Lord, like he is he, the one who got him killed. Yeah, yeah. he got him Uriah. killed. That's his name, David and Uriah Bathsheba's husband. Um, yep. Yeah, I like Sejanus a lot as foil to yes to Snow all the way through. Um, like when he shows up with food, it's not because it makes him look good for yeah. feeding his starving tribute. Right. It's because hi, these are people I was friends with. This guy. Mm-hmm. And my dad is a butthole and made me have to be able to like, 
sponsor him in the arena and that's it. like uh, his dad uh, I hated his dad so much but his like, mother was the best it's so true yeah. his mother just, was so sweet at a certain I, point did you did you think during this how did they end up together like yes I did yeah uh, <laughs> it, partly but at the same time like i've seen too many super sweet women be with just super jerk husbands so like not not really like (laughs) money money corrupts people y'all like i'm sure he wasn't like that before he made it rich so but even still i i understand a lot more about his decision making than i do about some other people in this in this book Mm -hmm. because if if i was a, a parent of a family out in a district and I could buy my way into the Capitol. Yes, we're oh, doing yeah. that. Yeah. And oh, then I know that people still think that I'm district in the Capitol. And so I have to justify my position here. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to make sure I buy my kid a position on the, like the top 25 or whatever, where all of their, um, their, their places were to be the sponsors. And then, uh, I want to make sure that my kid understands what his role is here in the Capitol. So yeah. Yeah. I'm going to pair him up with somebody from his school. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I get that. And that's, that is what we were talking about. Like the scary part of this, like how much I'm like, I mean, yeah, it, it's one of those I, things where it's like, it's, you know, it's such a jerk move, but at the same time you're like, but I understand <laughs> the logic it's, is there. Yeah. <laughs> Even though we hate the logic and makes us feel gross. And it, it's one of those things where it's like, I, you want to say that you would never do that, but if you're being honest with yourself, you're like, I, there's a good chance I, I would probably do that or at least consider and maybe do it to a lesser extent. Or, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, that's, I mean, if you're thinking about it like that, it's completely reasonable, plausible. Mm-hmm. It's still a jerk move, but if you're yeah. thinking about your kid, and trying to get them integrated and safe and all of that, like, there's a lot of people do a lot of things for. Mm-hmm. Yep. Speaking of keeping children safe, <laughs> um, so the kind of the star of the show for this book, uh, the the 10th Hunger Games, um, which we find out at the end of the book was completely erased in its whole entirety uh, from all of the capital records and history of books, mm-hmm. whatever they have uh, equivalent of that. <clears throat> um, it is really weird to look at what the hunger games are in its kind of infancy in this yeah. versus like the, the level to which they were a production when we see them in, in the original trilogy. And- um, like almost to the fact where I'm like, I feel bad for the people in charge of this, that like, this is what, you're coming up with like a weatherman as your host <laughs> who is trying to make stuff interesting, but he's like, I'm going to do parlor magic. I'm going to bring my talking parrot who won't talk to me. At yeah. all. Like, well, well, bad. And just, it, it was so interesting to see how much of the like showmanship was directly influenced by snow. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, he was the one who kind of got that whole, I mean, he was the one who suggested the food stuff and a lot of the, like, extra participation things. And you're just like, oh, wow. Like, it wouldn't, it would have almost been, still been a non-event if he hadn't suggested so many of these things and gotten in with Gull. Even the, 
the compulsory watching and yep. making sure that yep. we honor the the champions so that people are invested mm-hmm. in having mm-hmm. a winner like the whole All career yeah like mm-hmm. well because district one and that two, we're seeing like yeah. district one and two they weren't like they weren't even pre- they were presented as better off but they were like to go from better off but still unwilling participants to where they are in the Champions, yeah, basically. like where they're First they dress. they do it on purpose, like they get trained for it. Well, and the the development of how he makes the decisions. Um, for what he proposes, like at the beginning, the first half of the book, most of the decisions or or propositions he makes seem to be on behalf of the the kids, right? Like feeding them, mm-hmm. yeah. um, sponsoring them, so they they have a shot. Um, even at the one when he mentions, Oh, she's coming out to count the bodies because she needs to know how many people are left. And then somebody says something about putting it on a scoreboard, you know, like even Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. the scoreboard, which is grotesque in the trilogy is suggested because they need to know what they're up against. You know, they almost feel like even though they're, he's still calculating the whole time, it almost feels like he's offering these suggestions as means to help the people that are in the games. But then by the end, he's offering these suggestions as a means to make the games more cruel and more focused Mm -hmm. and more of a punishment and purposeful. Mm -hmm. So like that changes throughout too. Well, and even just, it was interesting, like at the very beginning when they had the mentor, mentor, um, tribute pair list, and they like in the book they keep marking the names off because like even before the scoreboard was suggested, mm-hmm. it, it they were kind of still doing that. And I was like, oh, this is probably where that like the the boom cannons come from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, and it's interesting also not just. Uh, like Tigress and Snow, but some of the last names of the people, and you're just like, hey, I recognize that mm-hmm. name. Like, I feel like High Bottom was one of was one of the main ones. And then, as far well, as like in the, the trilogy, cranes. yes, the mm-hmm. cranes exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. and then interesting. Uh, Lucky Flickerman is the weatherman, mm-hmm. and then it's a different Flickerman. Caesar Flickerman Caesar, yep. in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of gets passed passed down. And even like that, the style of, I mean, yes, he was a bit campy for the weatherman and stuff. <laughs> but if you think about Caesar, like it's a more yeah, refined is- campy, but it's like, it's, it's passed down almost <laughs> like mm-hmm. they got better at it, but it's still kind of campy. Mm-hmm. Well, and you see, like Effie's role as the capital liaison mm-hmm. becomes an, an, the natural evolution of who Snow is in this book, right? Because yep. the mentor, the, the the mentor figures in the original trilogy were champ were the champions from the previous district mm-hmm. and a capital representative, and so yep, like even though they saw this as a failure, they ended up twisting it to a way and they making it work. Mm-hmm. Well, because uh, it, it's like they've refined it in that uh, it's the previous winners for kind of the killing strategy and then the uh, capital as continued punishment. Yeah. And then the capital people as the show 
mentors. Like it's like the two different sides of the mentoring. The um, stylist, basically. Yeah. Like, yes. Exactly. How, to, how do how to win people on television and how to look good in the Capitol and. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that Lucy Gray was the first person to say something about the odds being? In her favor. Yes. yes. I was like, and that was so- <laughs> oh my gosh. No, every time Lucy Gray opened her mouth and started singing or saying something, I was just like, did you guys listen to it or read it? I read it. The way that I listened that- to it and he didn't sing oh, anything. His, the, so his voice was great for reading. Like his voice was great for reading, for reading. but for yes. any of those poems or songs gem like, of Panem, you can't my even city. sing oh my darling clementine we all know that one like we all know it dude <laughs> it hurt it hurt i read it the first time and then i listened to it over this last week in preparation for you know making sure i'd remember mm-hmm. their names and stuff because i forget books <laughs> like it's my job uh, and i kind of regretted listening to it because But I did have to go pull up the Jennifer Lawrence recording of Hanging Tree. Oh, because I I needed to hear it in my head, and I was like, "Ah!" like you you just kind of singing it and just being like in snow, just being like you were there, you know. I know. Uh, Yeah, that would. I know when you think about that, all the songs like the the the. birds and the hanging tree and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. When you think about how that would have landed on snow, yeah, you're yeah. like, oh, that's why you're kind of crazy about yeah. how much he hated yeah. mocking jays. And that yep. was who that was the symbol she became. Yeah. yeah. Well and was wasn't hang, the hanging tree song banned? Was it was it, it was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and it's like, so that's why. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because your guilt, your shame, and your Mm -hmm. guilt will follow you, you know? And, like, that, yeah, when she sings that, that's just reminding him of what he did to this one person he he could have loved, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, I felt like his hatred of the Mockingjays, I understood a little bit of why he didn't like the Mockingjays, but at the same time it felt a little bit overblown. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And I guess part of that is because he comes from a very urban environment. Everything is made or produced by people. And so being out in a place where something is naturally occurring, the Mockingjays being a a twisting of something that has been previously man-made and made for a specific purpose and doing their own thing now. Um, To uh, to be uh, fair, hearing them like echo someone's death cry and turn it into a song. That wasn't the Mockingjay. That was the, the, what you call it? The other one? The Jabberjay. The Jabberjay picked it up up, and then the Mockingjays took the same sound and turned it into a song. Turned it to a song. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, And so it was like this death cry ish Mm -hmm. sounding thing becoming this cacophonous, well not cacophonous, but it's almost like jazzy melody and right. that's the feel I got too. Was like it wasn't like straight, prim, proper classical music. It was like right. jazzy, um, and so there's that. that it was that, wild. It was just something. Yeah. yeah but didn't he early decide 20th to century hate them before he heard them mock a death cry? Because I, yes. I do feel like he hate. He decided he hated them the minute he met them. He was creeped mm-hmm. out by them. And I, yes. in my head, I thought 
I would have totally been creeped out by them too, having heard them repeat a death cry. But I don't know mm-hmm. that in the lab, I would have been like, no, I hate those things <laughs> right away. So yeah. I, I think I see what both of y'all are saying mm-hmm. there. So Jabber, um, see, Jabber Jays, I feel like I'd be super creeped out by. It's the mocking, yeah. but mocking yeah. Jays, I, fi- I feel like are um, like one, yes, once the death cry thing, but like, in general, in the wild, I probably wouldn't have even really noticed them that much. Like, it would have been like a, I don't know, like a normal kind of thing. But the Jabberjays, I just remember being super creeped out in the trilogy, when reading the trilogy, being like, oh my gosh. Because <laughs> they oh were goodness. like imitating literally. But maybe like, that's perfectly. part of the point, though, that like he is more disturbed by something that's naturally developing than he is by a, like a, a creepy modification of the capital. And more than he was by like the Avoxes and Dr. Gull's experience in her lab. Yes. 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 So I, I, when I read that, I was like the first hunger games at the very end, that scene you know, where they're talking about uh, where uh, Katniss and Peta are like, and then it was, which district it? It was one of the legacy or the elite ones. And they have like the mutants that come out and they're mutants that are made with pieces of the dead tributes. Oh, the, the mentations. Yeah. That are- yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. And then yeah, they, yeah. you know, they, they, they kill him brutally. Uh, and, and like, as soon as I read that thing about, uh, the Dr. Gall's lab. I was like, that's where they come from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it just gets worse. Like, it just, I mean, just the snakes were creepy. The snakes are creepy, like yeah. psychedelic snakes that kill you instantly. But like, they weren't, I mean, it was snakes. So it was kind of traumatic, but it really wasn't meant to be traumatic too much. Mm-hmm. But then like flash forward 60 years and they're taking the dead bodies of the victims and turning them yep. into wolves yeah that mm. can like run around and grab you um no thank you essentially yeah. like werewolfy type thing because they because mm-hmm. i yeah. mean one of the things that i remember distinctly probably because it creeped me out so much was katniss saying that they those wolf things had had the eyes of the tributes like they were human eyes mm-hmm. and I was just, mm-hmm. yeah. oh okay yeah, yeah i definitely would have like i think in my brain when i first read it myself she Dr. Gall spoke like a Nazi. Like I heard her as a Nazi (laughs) because it's very like Nazi experimentation sort Mm. of vibes and like her whole attitude towards people just reads straight up like that. So yeah, it's gross. Yes. I don't like, um, there was, um, trombone Dalek in our, in our discord server did mention that, uh, she thought that the Jabber Jays might have been inspired by birds aren't real, which is an organization that argues that no birds are real, that they're all, uh, government robot constructs, even constructs made of biological bits as well. <laughs> um, going to their website, I only spent a couple minutes on there and I can't tell if they're serious or not, but they say that they are. So <laughs> what there is, there is that. <laughs> Okay. Kind of like the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. Uh, more sincere, it seems. Oh, like, at least. like Flat Earth, sort of sincere. Yeah. Yes. Okay. As far as okay. I can Interesting. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they definitely have that uh, everyone is listening always, all the time feel to them. Mm-hmm. 
stunned that I did not get the Tigress reference from like <laughs> I mean it's a lot to re- it's a lot to remember from I mean I read I read these books when they first came out which was yeah pre uh, movies I read these books before the movie yeah well yeah, but I, I, say, I had, yeah. like, I had to wait movies. I had to wait for the third book which was awful yeah. Oh, I got Audible so I could listen to the third book. I don't actually remember. I I read them a long time ago, but then like it's worse than it sounds that I don't remember that because when I read this book, when it came out like in 2020, then I was like, oh, I should go back and reread the the trilogy. And I did reread the trilogy and I still didn't get the reference. So just, I didn't get it. <laughs> but Tigress is this just one-off character in Mockingjay that like it's true it's what it's whatever but having but I just immediately- read the prequel and she's a big character i mean come on aaron yeah <laughs> that's fair i saw the name and i was like no the only thing is i have a visual yeah with her like fur and like tiger mm-hmm. patterns and stuff and so i was like oh, no wait yeah, uh, she did have that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so i i went and googled it and i was like oh yeah it is Huh. But it's interesting because I don't huh. read her as that character in the prequel. Like, how did she get there? Let's have her origin backstory. I want her story. Yes. <laughs> it would be. I feel like I it would be much more. Com- it would be much more compelling than yeah. Snow's because we all know where he ends up. Awesome. I, mean, I want to know who did we Tigress are. love. That's what I want to um, know. Yeah, yeah, and also we would all like to see the moment that she actually does feed President Snow human flesh. You know, we would just like to know that he's super grossed out by it, but he survived on it. He didn't know. (laughs) Wait, doesn't Snow end up with like snake venom in him? Right. Like like, he he gets poisoned because he's like coughing blood, blood the entire time. Well, like he, he like he becomes a mutation, doesn't he, to prolong his life? Something. I feel like like I remember. I feel like I remember that he wears. He wears roses to cover up the smell of his oh, yes. venom. Oh, that's mm. right. Yes. And so it brings me back to like the snakes in the pit of from this very beginning. So like he's become the thing that he was afraid of at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that like tap, that pullback to the 10th Hunger Games where he, the snakes had such a big part that, and Lucy Gray was a snake charmer. Mm-hmm. And yet, and, the, and she charmed Snow to a point um so anyway well and also songbirds and snakes because mm. didn't wasn't so all of the sna- didn't snow have other like snake-like features like his yeah, eyes so. or and his tongue maybe i i feel like there was more snake-like features that he yeah. had in, in the book oh and, yes yeah like his tongue I, right yeah i feel like that was a thing I feel like it was. I'm going to have to go back and look that up because as we established, I don't remember details, but I think yeah, you're I don't right. Remember it all. I think you're Cause right. Because I, I remember it being like kind of weird because like pretty much everybody in the Capitol had like, uh, like that weird surgery to make them something different. Uh, but his was just like, oh, because you got that kind of creepy feeling from him just. Uh, it's his eyes. I'm looking at the his eyes. The yeah, okay. Right his eyes are snake like, and his overall appearance is snake like. Yeah, yeah. I Which mean, is so funny though, because like Lucy Gray is literally 
like her name is uh, it comes from a song like one of her names is bird right and like her mm-hmm. whole family which her brother cousin person thing the fiddler is at um what's his face's wedding to Anne in district 12 they talk about our district 13 they talk about a fiddler escaping 12 wedding scene with Finn, Finian, Finian and Anne, their wedding. Yeah. Finnick, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, and it's, I, again, Googled it and it's CC. Um, Quirk, Quirk Carmine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he's the fiddler there because I was looking at the connection between, is, is Lucy Gray like biologically related to Katniss or is she a member of this troop? And that was one of the things is like, Katniss would have known who that person was if she was related to him. Or right. like part of their mm-hmm. their group of people, so. She ends up with the songs, like she knows the songs. She knows, like I, I feel like she has to have some sort of intimate connection in some way, even if she's not like a direct family member. That troop is they're stuck in District Twelve, and so they're gonna like they're gonna marry they're, and they're gonna like their become culture a becomes part such of, a part. Of, mm-hmm. Yeah, those songs become the the folk songs of District Twelve. The ones that they sing up, including Hanging Tree, um, even though it's not something that they can sing around the peacekeepers. Mm -hmm. So uh, as far as President Snow goes, uh, the reason why he wore the roses was because he poisoned his allies um, and he had to drink the poison himself. And so he has uh, permanent sores in his mouth. Okay. And so he does. And so he wears a genetically engineered rose to cover up the scent of blood. Thank you all so much for talking about this book with us. Um, If you like this, um, we have a few recommendations. Obviously, if you haven't read the original Hunger Games trilogy, go and do that. Um, Gives you a lot more information about the fall of the society that seems to kind of be just getting started um, in this book, uh, as well as um, Katniss Everdeen, The Girl on Fire. Um, definitely a, a generation shaper as far as uh, characters and books go. Um, I would also suggest um, the new Thrawn series uh, that's just come out. Um, the final one I think is publishing this year. Um, we read one of the the first book in the series um, earlier this season, and it was interesting to see who is also a a villain origin story um, from that perspective. Um, to compare that to, I was continually comparing that to um, this one with Snow, um, and it's it's weird for both of them because I, for most books that I read, I'm used to kind of trying to like. Jonathan said earlier, um, Jonathan Reedy said earlier, trying to identify, trying to, um, feel, feel feels for the, the protagonist. And it's weird to do that for, for villain origin stories. Mm -hmm. Um, you could also read wicked, um, and I guess the sequel son of a witch, um, which is a story behind the wicked witch of the West, uh, the wizard of Oz. Um, though a big, uh, this book is, if you read the book, it is not family friendly at all. Um, lots of content that would not be good for young readers, but it is a great investigation of the Wicked Witch and her character 
and a lot of the characters in the original in the original series um, in a, in a new light. I mean, it's it's wicked. It's pretty famous. Uh, <laughs> the musical's great. Go see it. Um, it is family friendly. The musical is yeah. the musical. Yes, yeah. the musical is. I sing it to my daughter at night sometimes. So. <laughs> um, and I guess we'd I'd also recommend a deadly education. Uh, by Naomi Novik, an author that we have read um, as part of the book club. Uh, she wrote, it's the story of a girl born with magical powers that seem inherently evil. Um, and oh, she goes to this school where she's, where it's like a death school to learn how to use her powers. Um, and it's the story of how she becomes who she is. I, we don't know how it ends. It's a trilogy it's a series. It hasn't um, done yet. But the first two books are amazing, and I would highly recommend them. And if you have other villain origin stories that you think we should read, let us know. Please let us know. Them. We were trying to figure out which ones we wanted to re- we could recommend. It was like, I haven't read very many. So please tell me which ones you like. Oh, um. We did briefly talk about, so there is a, a series of villain origin stories that Disney put out that's about their villains. Um, none of us have read them. So if you have read them, please let us know how good they are uh, and if we should put them on our list. Thank you all again so much for joining me on this discussion today. Um, who are you? And if you want, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, I'm Katie Tejador. You can find me on Twitter at K-R-R Tejador. That's T-E-J-E-D-O-R. I'm John Campoverde, and you can find me on Twitter at jcamp underscore over underscore day. We're on Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash alenton, A-L-L-E-N-T-I-O-N. I'm Erin Warmbier, and you may not be able to find me. No, I, <gasps> I, no. <laughs> I'm not on Twitter or anything, but I am around the LTN circles. So you will see me hanging out on LTN's Facebook um, and perhaps coming back and doing some more tabletop gaming on um, their Twitch stream sometime soon. <laughs> Wonderful. And I'm Madeline Turnipseed. Uh, I am in the LTN Discord and the Facebook group. Occasionally, like once a month, I tweet at mad underscore seed on Twitter. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. Stay tuned in the LTN community to see what we are reading next. If you have thoughts on the book we're discussing that we might read on air or books that you'd like to suggest for us to read, drop me a line at madeline, M-A-D-E-L-I-N-E, at lovethynerd.com. Be sure to check out all the podcasts in the Love Thy Nerd podcast network and also the LTN radio. I'm Polist, Humans of Gaming, Free Play, Church Nerds, Two Words, I'm sure many more to come. Be sure to connect with us on all your social media platforms. Just search Love Thy Nerd or find links on our website, lovethynerd.com. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been the LTN Book Club. Our show is hosted by Madeline Turnipseed and is a proud member of the LTN Podcast Network. For more information on the show, the hosts, the books they're reading, and to subscribe, please visit lovethynerd.com slash book club.